Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Photography for me is memories. I'm saving memories that I can reflect on. I'm more of it uh, being evidence, um, you know, in case I, if I'm called in court or, you know, if, uh, you know, somebody accuses me of something else. I, no, no. See, I got, I got a picture. <laughs> what are you hiding, man? <laughs> Rocks and Charles, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Really nice to meet you. Are you a couple or are you just working together? So we've worked together in various businesses. We are co-authors. Okay. Um, and his bride actually edits our work. So we're not a couple couple, but we are co-authors. Yeah. Yeah. She's also the godmother for my youngest daughter. So, okay. um, you know, our families are, um, have had a long association. Welcome <laughs> to the podcast. This is great. Thank you. Uh, let's dive into the first photo and, uh, I'm super excited. Okay, so where are, where is your room? No, we're in Dallas right now. Ah, so you're in Texas. Yeah. Present. There's this delightful couple behind bars. Uh, <laughs> both are holding on to the, it looks like a cell of some sort. Uh, it looks like you're in a cave, not not necessarily an industrial proper prison. Yes, yeah, so you're both kind of holding onto the bars. Your uh, rocks, you're looking to your right, mm -hmm. while Charles, you're just pointing to your left. So I don't know. You're kind of saying it's like it's her fault, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" You asked us about earlier. Why do we take photos? Um, I had evidence to say it's not me, man. It's not me. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so so why start with this photo? What, what's your story? That was a really fun photo, and we haven't used it before anywhere that we have been. Um, and it was done when we, let me step back, we do a cruise every year with a bunch of authors, and it's called Publishing at Sea. Huh. And we have shops, and then we go to various places um, as normal ships stop, you know, in various ports. This particular cruise um, also stopped in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. This is an old, actual barracks cell that was part of the fort, I think, that was yeah. there. And they actually opened it so we could do that photo. Yeah. The Spanish garrison uh, that Spanish, Spaniards had parked there to be able to... Um, Basically, raid the uh, the local uh, local island for all the goods that they they could make, mm -hmm. and uh, protect it from the um, from the British. So we got to go through a really claustrophobic exercise going through the the, the tunnels inside the, uh, the the garrison. Yeah, because you know, and they had it was unbelievable of all the neat stuff that was they had booby traps that uh, that were like okay three four hundred years old. I mean, it's like wow. I mean. Yeah, these guys were really something. Amazing. And we decided we didn't want to do anything illegal because we never wanted to be behind bars in a foreign country. <laughs> like ever. <laughs> okay, well, I, so, so I'm just trying to wrap my mind around who you two are. And then there's the photograph. And then there's this <laughs> idea of publishing or writing at sea. Um, uh -huh. Which is, because writing is such a personal solo uh typically as far as i think of it is it is a solo uh exercise let alone and, and i've had um another guest on, on the podcast 
uh, who works with another writer, but they weren't together on the podcast, but they co-authored their books. So uh -huh. how did you land as co-authors? Well, it's, it's a, a fairly uh, lengthy story. Um, but, uh, <laughs> leave out the vowels. Just go for it. I'll leave out the vowels. I, I can speed, speed through this pretty quickly on a description. We started writing uh, technical manuals for uh, our uh, high-tech company we worked for back in the uh, um, years. What we found was that the, uh, uh, the writing of technical manuals is very unsatisfying because as soon as it's done, it's out of date. Right. So that's why you see edition two, edition three, edition you know two hundred. Try to keep it uh, uh, current. So I got mad, stomped off, picked up, all, picked up all my marbles, and said, "I ain't doing this no more." Um, Rox was unconvinced, so she uh, did a hardcore press and did some uh, idea searching and came to me and said, "How about we do fiction?" Wow. With a with with the with a technical background to it, so we get to pitch some of the uh, the goodies that uh, that we understand. And like, I huh. actually brought like I don't know the first ten chapters of the first book and said, "Why don't you chew on this for a while?" Because in this book we can kill people and we don't have to go to jail. Uh, <laughs> okay, wait, you guys are both a little bit bent. Okay, are you saying that you should be in jail? Is that is that oh, like no, a, no 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 no? Are you saying that there's a little fantasy thing going on about being in jail? I don't know. This is the no, photo the you sent. Staying out of jail. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I love it. We're just a little goofy. And the other reason for that particular photograph is because we have an underlying layer in our, in our thrillers of technology. Okay. And we do worry that people overall are held hostage by their technology. Okay, I get that. Sure. And we don't want them to be. Okay. What area of technical writing were you stuck in? So we worked for several manufacturers in the same company and in different companies. And we would write technical manuals about what the manufacturers were putting forth in the marketplace. So we've worked for, you know, Nortel. We worked for Cisco, Hewlett Packard, you know, some together in some companies and then totally not together in other companies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And were you friends before you worked together? No, I actually hired Charles for a, for a job. Okay. At one of the companies that we worked at together, I hired him to be my boss. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Are you both originally from Texas? I am. Okay. And where are you from, Rox? Not well, and I made sure that Roxanne was uh, was naturalized uh, here in Texas. So <laughs> oh. it's, uh, yeah. So uh, she 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 can she can call herself Texan. That, that, that's good. That's I'm good. originally from California. Okay. Got it. And and so are, are these pen names or the like? Like I I don't know. Like this is what's great. Like I'm just discovering you, and so oh nice. It's very quirky because part of the, part of I think the the hook of the podcast is just through a conversation unboxing this this amazing relationship and and how you work. So you write books together. I've picked up that much fiction, yeah, thrillers. How many books are we talking here? The current series itself has 12 books in the series. Ah, amazing. Amazing. And then we have nine short stories that are kind of like backstories. Got it. And then two novellas that uh, are um, on the periphery. Okay. And you're saying the, the sort of the undercurrent is always some kind of technological threat. A threat. Yeah. A threat. So the very first book, as an example, Ran, is identity theft. 
Right. So so it's kind of the underlying, you know, in the old days you would do the, the cowboys in the white hats versus the villains in the black hats, and that was how the good guys against the bad guys. Well, that's, we do the cyber heroes against the cyber thugs. Got it. Different hats. Okay. Uh, how many languages have your books been translated into? English. Oh, it's been translated to English from American. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally understand. But no, they're they're only in English, and but they are also in Audible. Nice, audiobook. nice. Um, so let's say somebody who's listening and is gonna. We want them to go to right, right to find who you are on in the marketplace. Who, who, who what do they look up? We'd recommend you go to our website mm -hmm. and uh, prowl because we've got a wealth of information. It's enigmaseries.com okay that's the that's the website and then within that we have video trailers for each one of the books to kind of give you a flavor for, for what the uh, the kind of technical threat that, that book centers on that's great we want to make sure I, I, I articulate this correctly Rand. we do write each one of these books so they're you can enjoy them separately yeah so you don't have to read the whole series but honestly they are richer if, you, if they're read in, uh, in in order got it the characters develop. They uh, they grow up. They uh, they have problems. Uh, the new technical threats. Everything changes over time. So we try to capture that in the story thread. Hmm. So one of the uh, guests I had on the, on the podcast, she writes a book every six months. Like she has such a like a, a production approach and such a team uh -huh. that helps her do it. And I I know book publishing. Like that's kind of part of my career. And uh -huh. I understand that from the book publisher's perspective, they want to have very strict definitions of the type of author you are, the type of story you write. So they, there are no surprises to the, to the market that's buying you, I guess. So do you play with different genres or do you pretty much, are you more strict in terms of like it's thriller and that's it? So, so you've met us now. We've known each other for a whole 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I can honestly say we do not fit into neat little packages. Great. So <laughs> the Enigma series are thrillers with a technology underlayment. Mm -hmm. the, the short stories are different genres. Okay. Um, the two novellas are different. One is a historical fiction based in 1939. And the other one is a cozy mystery based in in Texas in 2022. Okay. So you collaborated professionally for a long time, I assume a long time. And then yes. you thought, you know what, let's go into, into fiction. So how long ago was that that you went into the sort of the... About nine years ago. About 10 years now. About 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, so as we're talking, it's really, it's really funny. It's really funny. I've got both of you lightly sitting together in what looks like a, a dining room of some sort. Behind you, it's uh, they can just see like little shelves, and you're seated kind of warmly together, t-shirts. And on the right is a black and white photo of you behind bars in yeah, <laughs> kind of like an old looking jail, and it was kind of like looking both looking equally young they're roughly the same age so it's really peculiar it's like okay left is out of jail right is in jail or vice versa it's like okay okay it's very it's a very funny juxtaposition uh, anything else you want to say about that photo no we just wanted to have fun and we nice. wanted to you know it, we just thought it would be a different kind of thing to talk about sure 
It's a good, good way to start a conversation. Great. In this photograph, it's color. You're both standing together in what could be, maybe it's still the same trip. I don't know. Maybe you're in a, in a, in a central South America place, or maybe you're in Spain for all I know. Uh, it looks like there are cobblestones in the background. Uh, you're in the foreground. Uh, Charles, you're wearing a very nice yellow, I guess, Hawaiian shirt. Rocks or Roxanne. Yeah. You're wearing a, a kind of a light blue blouse. Looking at the photographer, um, what's the what's the event of, or the moment here? That was a total exploration of a little village, a quaint little village with a whole lot of color. So you know, it's a how it's every house was a different color. So you know, they weren't they weren't um, rich, expensive homes. They were modest, but the color was just vivid everywhere. It was just fun in Dallas. No, it actually wasn't. It was it was actually in San Juan. It was in Puerto Rico too. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. How often do you guys go traveling together? We've done three of these publishing at sea cruises. So they're like a seven day cruise where while you're at sea, you sit in workshops, and we've actually delivered a couple of workshops for some of the other authors. And the the rest of the time, you. You know, you're free to go explore if you want to when when the boat's in port. Mm -hmm. And and the and the ship is it? It's basically populated with other authors, so you get to sort of feed off each mm -hmm. other, or it's. So the ship itself is populated with a whole lot of you know two thousand of our closest friends. Oh. But the the actual workshop is usually between twenty and thirty people. Okay. So right. what kind of? Give me an example of a. Of, one of the workshops that you gave? Um, so one of the workshops that we gave last year was the elements um, that are needed to consider whether you want to put together a trilogy or a series and how you would do that, how you would construct that, and how you might alter it if you started out in one direction and went a different direction. So, so we did one on that, and we also did one on Metaverse. What do you mean by Metaverse? Uh, yeah, metaverse is, is a is a new uh, new term emerging, Ran. And basically, what it is, it's a uh, part of it is is already here, and some of it is still evolving. Mm -hmm. So the piece parts that you would uh, you would imagine is that there's a uh, a storytelling uh, event, obviously, but maybe have it have do a, a mashup with a um, a gaming company, mm -hmm. so that you create is a. Uh, um, you have a, an on-ramp for readers to join in a more immersive, collaborative environment using um, augmented reality, you know, the goggles and the, uh, you know, um, seeing some of the, uh, the graphics uh, come to life in 3D, some of the rendering from some of the high-powered graphic chips that are available and available anywhere on the Internet because that's where it be served up as a cloud-based uh, um, application. So if you're a writer like yourself, and, and you come up with this, you know, swell, uh, you know, fantasy uh, vision for, you know, I'm going to pull together all my, uh, my my troops and we're going to go, you know, you know, slay this dragon and uh, the dragons are, you know, they're, they're flying and, and you can see and you maybe experience a, a three-dimensional version of what was going on rather than just reading it on, 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 uh, on paper. The other attributes to go along with that would be 
how do you make money as an author on that? And that's where you get into some of the uh, um, interesting uh, attributes. And we don't have time to cover all of it, but it's like the, the <laughs> cryptocurrency, the, uh, the net fungible tokens, creating your own universe, if you will, to invite people into. So we see that as a, a an evolution of uh, storytelling. Hmm. Around the fire fireplace to the printed word to the the audible to an immersive um, thing that uh, feels 3D while you're and it could change the story direction. Sure. So if you wanted to be the main character and you want to do something a little different, you could actually, in theory, change the story direction. Right. So do you remember those books? Choose your own adventures. Uh huh. Right. So so yeah. So in a sense, you're kind of fracturing the narrative quite a bit. And how much of what you're proposing or what you talk about or what you've done is more akin to writing a screenplay than it is to writing a proper classic novel? Um, quite a bit. Of, there's a lot of parallels to that. I mean, uh, you know, we've done some screenplays ourselves. Not quite as uh, satisfying for us mm -hmm. uh, as storytellers because it's, it's a very um, rigid discipline from our point of view. So... Uh, my hats off to anybody that says they're uh, they're a screenwriter. Like, okay, good for you, because uh, I'm uh, I'm not not as uh, competent at it as I'd like to be. Mm. Yeah, we're more of a, a full full on novel kind of writing as opposed to a screenplay type. And I have I have read books that were re done as screenplays, and it's always got the screen direction. The lights go up, the lights go down. People. These that's not how we do that. that. That's not how. We what is your process in terms of I assume you come up with a story almost like co-directors of a movie. And so you're coming up with a, with a plot or whatever. But who sits down and actually does the typing? So, so we come up with an idea, just like you say. And we talk about the characters that are going to be in it. And then we rough out the different chapters that we believe are going to start out. And we usually only do 15 to 20 chapter rough outs at a time. And we collaborate and talk when we do that. Okay. And then each of us are assigned a chapter. Oh. And so he writes one, I write one, and, and so forth. And then we bring them together and smooth the voices. Right. That way, the, the, the objective is that you shouldn't be able to do, say, oh, Charles read this one, or did right. this one, Rox did that one. I, I can tell because the styles, you know, we, we go to a, an extreme amount of um, – work to make sure that it's polished so you can't tell sure where that idea came from and so it's a it's very much a, a, a part of our patent pending uh technique called a literary badminton okay. <laughs> amazing <laughs> what is the most so far because it's like it's a, a relationship of creating these kinds of books that is more than a decade now was there ever a moment where you guys were like no you know there's like you just disagreed with each other and 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 thought, okay, this is just not. I wouldn't say that you were you there was conflict, but that there was a real, an active disagreement about direction. On a story, yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> we count this week, or you want to count for the whole time? You know, no, just pick had... the one that's the craziest where knives came out. Oh, we don't do knives, but okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that the craziest one where we had a disagreement was where we actually shelved the, the whole story. Oh, wow. For five months, close to five months. It just, it just became, it was too, it was too sensitive a thing. It was like, okay, we're just not going to write this one. We'll, 
we'll write something else. Right. And so that now it's coming. It's it's going to come back. Okay. How how do you feel about your subconscious um, informing how you make decisions? Well, a lot of times what will happen is that uh, I'll wake up like I did this morning. I go, I know what I want for that that ending. Yep. I know where I want to take it. The, the characters are telling me we got to be. This is what we need to say. This mm-hmm. is what we have to do. A lot of times, it, that's where that uh, that inspiration will come in place. It's like now I know how to be able to repair what uh, you know I, I, I positioned poorly. Right. That's the kind of uh, subliminal stuff that percolates all the time. Sure. Through my uh, my existence. Or we get up and we say. Oh gosh, I know I'm supposed to do this chapter, but this is what has to be done. So we write something totally unrelated to where, quote unquote, we should be in our in our spreadsheet because we keep everything in a spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, and so sometimes we'll write something that's really good, but it doesn't belong anywhere yet. Mm-hmm. So we may end up pushing it down to where it does belong, or we have been known to write to it if it was that fun that we want it included, we'll write to it. The record on that one was uh, taking it from chapter two to chapter 50. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, look, it's writing in a way. It's always, I don't want to say cut and paste, but it's construction, right? So, of course. Exactly. We do cut and paste, though, because everything is done, you know, electronically. Sure. Is there a pattern in terms of, if, if we're to say that you're archetypes, right? So, uh-huh. not to say yin and yang, you know, but... If there are patterns of, of personality, are you both like-minded, and that's why you work well together? Are you kind of opposites attract sort of sort of thing, and that's why you work well together? So why do you work well together? Um, it's sort of like being in a boat, and we each, <laughs> each of us has a has an oar. Okay, and if we're pulling together, uh, and we we head uh, we head in a single direction. And if one of us is uh, overamping, then we tend to go in, you know, off to one side or in circles. So uh-huh. it's uh, not uncommon to be able to say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, we were aiming this way. How about, let's, you know, can you find me? Break out the compass, Charles. Is there an engineer between the both of you? Uh, we're both engineers, technically. Ah, okay. What kind of engineering? Well, it's software engineering. So, you know, technology stuff. Okay. I'm a solution architect for voice and data networks. I've worked on global accounts and for, for multiple companies, British Telecom. So all that kind of stuff, you know, uh, that's the day job. And that's where we get to see some of the, the technical challenges that show up, uh-huh. threat, you know, the things that are like, man, the wheels fell off this one. Look at this. We, we can use this for a story. You're both full-time workers with day jobs. And on the, as a side job, you're putting together this, it's called the Enigma series. Uh-huh. Yeah. A respect. How little do you <laughs> sleep per night? Three hours, four hours? Eh, no, I mean, it's not. It, we have good jobs and we like our jobs. We sure. used to actually, we used to actually write faster than we do now. Mm. But it's funny since COVID work is in technology fields has actually gotten more demanding, I think would be a fair term. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm a morning writer. I get up at like, oh, I don't know, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and I write until it's time to go to work. Oh, well. And Charles? I like to write in the morning, too. And then when that doesn't work, I'll basically clear my calendar off and just, uh, I work on two machines, one for corporate, one for personal. Right. And so if somebody wants something, 
I work on it. I'll switch over that and do that. But you know, I get in this uh, this thread of, okay, I want I want another chapter. Give me another. Right. Polish this one. This is not. This isn't ready for prime time, and this one isn't clearly ready for uh, for Roxanne to look at. So, it's a uh, build that uh, that that uh, synergy that uh, that the, the energy to be able to work at a particular time, and I can do it, but I prefer the morning. So let's go. Let's rewind the tape a little bit, Roxanne. What were you like as a kid? Like, why choose writing? And how far back does that go? Writing for me goes back to, you know, the teenage years when poetry and flowers and you know, art, <laughs> art was just filling the air right. of a teenager. You know, I mean, so the writing went back to then. But I was kind of a determined little kid, mm -hmm. you know, and, and a nonconformist. You know, I... I I don't, I don't, I, I believe you 100%. <laughs> you know, I'm one of those kids that had to have two different color socks, no matter what my outfit looked like. It just, no matter what my mother protested. So, you know, that's how I kind of came across. Okay. And Charles? Um, it's a it's sort of a, a peculiar story. Um, in high school, they, uh, they said, uh, we want you to build a business and uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, um, show you how real corporations work. The initial stock, and we hit on the idea of being a publishing newspaper. Oh, okay. And what happened was that uh, it ended up with a, little, a lot more social comment in mm -hmm. it than what everybody liked, and um, it turned into an underground newspaper um, quite um, by mistake. But I, I guess I got the taste for being that um, the person that comments on what I see. This is my life. These wow. are the things that I'm going on, and. I want to be able to explore it, and I want to have people look at it and say, I hadn't seen that. Okay. And then he created a comic book store. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Yeah. We, um, we were wholesale dis distributors for Marvel Comics, mm -hmm. DC Comics, um, in the um, last half of the uh, last yeah, century. Uh, okay, I'm not. <laughs> no fighting now. No fighting. <laughs> not fighting it's not i mean no we yeah. did a great job with it i've seen pictures of yeah the bookstore that i built and sold is still there oh amazing i mean they had their 30th anniversary and and they were you know popping champagne and then, you know, my brother drove by and he goes i cannot believe it's still there charles that's, that's, amazing. that's amazing that's amazing let's take that as the perfect segue to go into the next photo shall we okay awesome sounds fun It's nice because you have people photographing you together. Now it's very kind of officious. Charles is wearing a, a nice, nice shirt. He's got a pen in his pocket. He's wearing a nice sort of uh, jacket. Hair trimmed very nicely. Uh, Roxy wearing a very nice uh, kind of blouse as well with a nice necklace. The background is blurry. It looks like it could be a cityscape, I guess, or a, a garden. Not much to go on. So what are we? What am I looking at here? So, so that was actually on the same cruise. On these cruises, when we do publishing at sea, there is a photographer that goes uh. with the group, um, so that we can get, you know, different kinds of photos that authors can use for oh kinds of photos. Makes sense, yeah. Um, as opposed to you know an iPhone kind of photo. So that particular one was dressing for uh, dinner with the captain's table. Oh, nice. And so we were trying to look nice, and there's a glass 
there was actually a glass kind of sculpting that's behind us mm-hmm. that was reflecting the sun. So it was on the deck. That's on the ship. Yeah. Oh, oh wow! It looks like a it looks like a like a sort of cityscape garden because there's a big tree in the background. Okay, nice. That's exactly what it is. They have a, they have their own on board in the ship, Central Park with actual live trees and glass, and of course little uh, you know bistros that uh, you can stroll up and you know get your favorite adult beverage or coffee or whatever it is, and, and uh, it's uh, quite remarkable mm-hmm. and it makes a tremendous setting. From what you're describing. Well, it's a great photo. So, how do we turn this into this this portrait into something that will uplift a listener to say, like, "Hey, I can go into writing. I can work with my." I mean, you're not you weren't really. I mean, your work associates and colleagues, and then that kind of just evolved into into you know book writing. So, was there a moment when? Was it just the intuition of, oh, you know what, how do we try this? So, so in our work, in our professional careers, I mean, I, I, like I had told you, I originally hired him and we worked together for a while. Then I went to another company and then he went to another company and then we ended up back in the same, yet another company, but we were in the same company. And we started doing workshops and teaching others how to use certain kinds of technology. Okay. And so we would travel around and do workshops for different people so that they would learn whatever the product was, how to use it, how to install it correctly, all that technical mumbo jumbo kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And in doing that, we had to create the whole presentation for it. We had to deliver it, all of that sort of thing. So we found out that we could work together and we could have a conversation at different levels. Mm-hmm. So. You've been in a room, I'm sure, many times with lots of different people, and you may relate very, very well to part of the audience that's in that room, whatever part that is. Because we were both delivering the workshops, we could we could help that whole issue by he could relate to some of the people very, very well, and I could relate to the other people very, very well, so we could make sure we could convey the information. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I guess that's um, sort of a uh, a wake up call for us saying we are professionals. We can do this, and it's not just a you know writing just a hobby or you know or a, a pastime. It's like I got nothing else to do, and I can I can wear you know stretch pants if I want to. But it's also a, a professional approach to, and it's a mindset. If you see yourself as a professional, and what you're doing has a good outreach for people to be able to say, um, I, I respect that. I, I can respect what you're saying. I may not agree with, but, but I, I see that you've taken this on as a professional attitude. I think I need to do that too. And that ups your game. It makes you feel like I can do this. I can do it better. And we challenge ourselves all the time. That's where the workshop come into play. Teach me something new. Show me something where I thought I was doing well, but maybe I need a little more help. Sure. Uh, my professional would accept that kind of um, input, and that's the other, the other side of that coin. We want to be professionals in everything we do. Uh, name a time when there was an unexpected response from your readers to the work that you did. Because it's one thing to create the work, but in a way, it's 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 really created by the receiver. So you know, you make the thing, you put it out into the world, and who knows 
how the world accepts it, whatever, but wh name a time when the response really took you by surprise. I can answer that one. We had a reviewer one time. Uh, we, uh, we have a lot of evil characters. I mean, you got to have some evil, of course, with the good. And, and uh, But we had uh, one that was particularly unusual in his, um, in his outlook and his, his demeanor. And um, the reviewer picked up on, on it and he goes, I didn't want to like that character. <laughs> I, 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 but I felt sorry for I couldn't help myself. And I went, oh, wow. That was the best compliment I ever heard nice. about a character because it gave him uh, gave him something that was, you know, he he was torn between. Right. Here's a here's a guy. He's a freebooter, and what I felt sorry for. Right. I felt sorry for, for the circumstances that he was written into. So uh, it was a very satisfying comment. Was there a moment like that as well for you where you thought, "Oh, wait a second, that's." Surprise. Um, so there, there was, and it was another comment from, from somebody who kind of follows the series. And we had a, a character that was, uh, you know, she had a tough life and she was in some ways very repulsive and, and, um, somebody you didn't want to relate to. And she was always, you know, she was always messing with people and she was, she was a bad guy. She was totally a bad, evil cyber thug mm -hmm. as it were. But, but in the stories, we decided for some reason, she kept talking to us saying, well, I was bad, but I don't want to be bad anymore. I want to be good. And so we evolved her and put her into a situation where she could, in fact, redeem herself. Mm -hmm. And um, somebody that had followed us had commented and goes, I have hated this character and hated this <laughs> character for four books. <laughs> now I have to like her. Oh, great. That's great. Well, like, so how much of what you do is consciously manipulative? Hmm. I don't know that we do consciously manipulative. Other than, other than hiding different threads in the stories. A lot of times, Rand, it's the character telling us what they want to do. Ah. It, it sounds silly when nope. you say it like that. Nope. But it's like, I'll get up one morning, I'll start writing on something. It's like, the character's like, no, no, no. Send me this way. Right. Is what um, the story threads needs, and that's what the characters, uh, the character wants. Wants. Yeah. It just, uh, <laughs> it's that simple. So manipulative, no, because we're storytellers. This right. is what the story needs. So does it manifest as a kind of a? So, for example, you have the characters that over time, in a way, we hear of authors talking about, you know, writing their characters, and at some point they have to kill their character or whatever and that it that it creates a, a kind of a, a trauma almost you know a, a sense of loss because they've invested a year or two or five living within that character so why don't you talk about that part of being an author that is oddly extremely emotional you know do, do you understand my yeah yeah so we have a couple of characters that we we that are good guys and have been very good guys, but they've reached a, a maturity level. They've reached an age where they, they're really, they, they need to die. Um, and so orchestrating or, or writing about how they die and what their legacies are is, is almost part of a pre grieving process because you know that they're going to go. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I mean, we're, we're not 
kids. And so we've experienced a lot of that kind of a personal emotion that we can pull into the characters as well. But we've had, we've had several that we have, um, lost, you know, they're, they're gone. But in, in fact, we have another character who talks to that person mm. just in kind of like, you know, Hey, you know, you were so important when you were here. I just want to sit and talk to you and that. So, because that's a reality. Yeah. Sometimes you have to talk to those that have gone before you. Sometimes you, you know, you just want to bounce something off a wall. So we've, we've done both of those things. Mm. And a lot of times that it's, uh, that helps another character evolve as well because their experience, you, you can, you can exercise the, uh, the reader's mind by saying, okay, um, there's obviously a loss here. How are they dealing with it? And is that how I would deal with it? Is that, uh, is that realistic? You write this, this kind of transaction carefully. It feels like, you know, you, you're there. You can, you can empathize with the, uh, with it. And so it's not just, we're going to back a character. It's also how we're going to use that, uh, that, that emotion mm-hmm. and leverage it for building, um, because you're always, it's like a conveyor belt. Of characters coming through storylines sure. uh, moving forward. Unless it's a bad guy, we've been known to, to <laughs> off bad guys really easily. Okay. <laughs> so, have you had training in in arts like uh, like theater, for example, where you kind of, in theater you really have to absorb and inhabit other characters in ways that, I mean, look, arguably it's playing make believe but at a depth that is far beyond, say, what a child may do, although a child will lose themselves in make-believe in a way that, say, an adult wouldn't. But do you mean, like, have you had training in drama to kind of help you better understand how to become a character? Well, I, I know I did drama when I was in high school, which was okay. not more, it was more than a few years ago. Sure. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, you, you kind of get an empathy for, what the behavior of somebody should be, which is one of the reasons that we write well together because we can say things to each other like, there's no woman on the planet that would ever say what you just said she right. said. Okay, okay, okay. And vice versa. Right. You know, so that's part of how we make the voicing so even because we can each go, Mm-mm, no, that's not the right word. Yes, that's perfect. Okay. Well, my drama's been uh, informal. Girlfriends that blow up, uh, you know, and you know, you know, people shouting at me saying, Charles, why isn't this done? You know, so that's all the drama that I need to be right. able to get me to write. Got it. You just go into your happy place of... <laughs> <laughs> yep, get my comfort food, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Sure. It's a... Um... How should I say? It's basically a collage. So it's it's not a photograph. It's an image of one, two, three, six, twelve, thirteen, thirteen images. So twelve book covers: the Enigma Factor, the Enigma Rising, the Enigma Unite. So I guess these are different covers of your books. So the yep. the Enigma book series, technology, today's weapon of choice. Uh, and there's a photograph of you two. Uh, yeah, again, probably from your, uh, I think I can see the background looks a little bit familiar. It's, it's the same Puerto Rican kind of, kind yeah, of shot. Exactly. Uh, not respect. You have all these beautiful covers. Let's talk about book covers. So one of the reasons we wanted to send you that particular one is we did start the series some time ago. We've learned. Mm-hmm. And so these books are evolving into second 
uh, additions. Okay. One, so we can review them, we can make them a little tighter, we can make them better, and we can make the covers more realistic because we, the original direction on the covers, because techno thrillers was not really a, a, a genre when we started, mm -hmm. they ended up looking very sci-fi. Yeah. And so we are, we are revising that so they look digital, but not science fiction. Got it. Because these are science fact. Right, right, right. So let's dive into this whole world of, on the one hand, being a, an author and writing the story and creating the, the, the narrative, and then the sort of the world of, of publishing. So what yeah. was the biggest lesson that you learned of being a published, of, of being a published author? That we didn't know everything. And it takes a team. <laughs> Okay. That that sounds trite. I admit it, but you know, there's uh, there's people that have skills that we could eventually learn to do it, but that's not our strength. So yeah. the, the lesson that, that was learned was that go to the professionals for cover. And 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 ebooks don't have to be ugly. Okay. Ebooks can have color in them. Right. Um, they can be bright. They can be cheerful because it doesn't cost you anything in an ebook. Right. Now, that's not true with a paperback necessarily. I mean, typically you don't do that unless you've got children's books going on. Right. But we, we also learned there are there are certain things that you can do to a book that make you look like you're a indie publisher. I mean, we're small press yeah. at this point. Yep. But, but there are things that you can do. And the first mistake we made was the books were the wrong size. Okay. They screamed indie publisher. Um. You know, it's those sorts of things that we've learned over time. And it's the other reason for going to second editions. We want we want to raise the level of our own professionalism. Yeah, the, the, the title of indie publisher, I would put shabby in front of it. <laughs> if it looks like it's a shabby indie publisher, because there's a lot of good indie publishers out there that have great, I mean, you can, it's like, they must have, you know, a, you know, a gang of people uh, yep. running on on. But if it looks like it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're printing it on a mimeograph machine, if you remember what that is, yep. uh, in the back room, um, and um, you know, stapling it together yourself, nobody wants to touch it. Right. It's like, you know, this is this. I'm not wasting my time on it because you didn't put any time in it, and that's the fault line. You know, you only get like you know, six seconds for them to be able to look at the cover and say, "Yep," and then only then will they turn it over and take and look at the uh, synopsis on the back. If you missed out that first six seconds, doesn't matter how much effort you put on the inside, nobody ever look at it. And that's disheartening, and you can't do that for very long. So where are your books most easily available? You know, we're on uh, in several different theaters. Um, we're in the United States on Amazon, yeah, UK and Amazon, um, Canada, Australia, Germany, France, Italy, Spain. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, they're all uh, they're all in English, and um, we even have some competition going on in, in India right now to see if we can't uh, break into that market. So we're ambitious, admittedly. But they're also on, you know, Barnes and Noble. They're on uh, multiple, uh, at least nine of them right now, are on multiple audio book okay. distributors because we we ended up taking the, some of them back to our own rights so we could distribute them out so you can get them on on different um, platforms there. And we sell them off of our own website. Right. 
So if somebody wants to have a signed book for Christmas, you know, we actually ship them free in the continental United States. Right. Um, the overseas shipping is really high sure. to offer that for free, but we will certainly find and ship them. It just might cost a little more for shipping. What is your uh, involvement with the creative direction in terms of the, the layout, in terms of the design and everything? Or did you just say, you know what, we're going to leave it in your hands, oh, designer? Like, how, how involved do you get? We get really involved. So our, I mean, we have. It's got our name on it. It, it has <laughs> our name on it, so we're very vested in it, but it, it also is a collaborative effort. Um, so for the, the one that's going to be released on the 20th of August, um, we had, I don't know, just the cover alone, nine different designs before we could finally settle on something that, that hit the mark for what we wanted to convey. Right. What's the name of that title? Um, it is, it is called Flower the Flower Enigma, but it's, it's the cozy mystery. So it's not technically part of the series. Got it. But it's called the Flower Enigma. It's it's on pre-order right now for ninety nine cents or whatever the equivalent is across the Amazon market. Right. Um, but but it did take a while to to get the cover the way we felt it should be. Yeah. But we have also put our ideas in, and had the same designer say, "You're out of your mind. I'll do it, but you're not going to like it." <laughs> so so it is a give and take kind yeah. of thing to get the best. Oh, for sure, for sure. Okay, so the point of the the podcast is really about uh, giving something, a kernel of something to the listener to say, well, maybe I could do this. Is could you or can you identify that ingredient inside you that pushed you over that hump of saying, mm, I'm just good, or is it maybe just the discipline of working together and that together you kind of, when somebody feels like they're having a slow day, the other person says, come on, they nudge you to kind of pick up the slack or whatever. So how, what can you, what, what advice can you give to, to a listener in terms of, and, and expand it from writing a book to anything? So you have to want it, Rand, whatever it is that you're going for, you have to want it in your heart of hearts. And you, in some cases, whatever that is, whether it's, painting a mural or writing a book or, you know, traveling to some faraway distance place and hiking some mountain, you have to sometimes practice. Mm -hmm. You have to, you know, team up for it somewhere. So you may not have a writing team like, like we are, but you may have a trainer. You may have a buddy that, okay, I want to run the marathon in Boston. I'm not going to train for that by myself. So you have to have the desire to do it. Then you have to have the discipline. So that's why we both write something every day. Mm. On the weekends, we tend to write more. Okay. Um, and, and we write it once, then we write it again, then we read it again. Yep. You're never going to get writing, per se, correct the first time, which is why we're going through and doing second editions, because we think we've, we think we've gotten better. And, and reproducing a book is not an inexpensive process. <clears throat> so we want to make sure that we, we are doing it the right way. Yep. What else? The satisfaction. The satisfaction of having said, I put forth the effort. And if I can do it once, I should be able to do it again and do it better. Right. There's, a, there's a, always that, that 
Well, I mean, competition with, and I'll stop you right there and say, no, I was always taught by my father, the only person you ever compete with is yourself. And that's, that's important and because for a couple of reasons. One of them is you're going to have to clap for somebody else who made it ahead of you. At some point, they will clap for you sure. if you clap. So you don't want to be so self-centered, like I want to be the best. And, and, and work in vacuum, there has to be some association yeah. with other people. There needs to be that, here, let me help you. Um, we put on a, a training seminar here on how to do AMS ads and invited uh, you know several authors. And we spent hours going through, here's how you do it. And they will, I, I missed this point. Tell me that again, Charles. Yeah. I said, here, here, look here. And they went, oh. Oh, I, I missed that. Okay. Thank you. That's important for me to be able to help somebody else realize that they can do it. And that's, that's fair. And, and I think you also have to network with authors. Yeah. You do have to be a rah-rah and a cheering section for everyone that succeeds. So if, if you ran, you, you decide you're going to put your book out and you happen to win a award for it. And you and we find out about it. We'll be we'll be right there clapping for you and sure. going, "Yay!" Critique groups are another way that people can do it. Sometimes they're local. Sometimes just having feedback. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things that I think an author can do is give their stories to their family members. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because your family loves you, and your family will not tell you anything bad about what you did. They will say you did a great job. Congratulations. But you have to then, if you want to do that, you're putting yourself out there. That's that's hard. Yep. It's hard to put yourself out there. So, you know, maybe you only do it a chapter at a time because you may have to develop a little bit of a thick skin. You know, hey, but you have to be with people that are going to be constructive criticism as opposed to like a teacher in school, you got an F on this paper. Now go back and do it again. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's a different mindset. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I mean, this has been really great. The Enigma book series. You said uh, the, tw- the 20, that's three days away. So your book's about to come out. It is. Well done. Well done. It's great. Thank you very much. Well done. Yeah, we're excited about it. Okay. I'm excited for you. Okay, guys. Thank so thank you so much and all the best. Ren, it's been a delight. Thank, Thank you, you. Ren. Thank you, Ren. Especially getting up at O Dark 30 for us, you know? <laughs> when? Now? Yeah. yeah. You're in Singapore, correct? No, 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 no. I'm in Vancouver. I'm only a couple hours ahead, behind. Oh, oh wow. <laughs> Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw.